Howdy Critters, Backcountry and Barbells, Jeremy Day, who is a one percenter, and we'll get, in many ways he's a one percenter, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I know he's smiling and he's bashful and doesn't want to admit it, but we're all one percenters, so but so he's a he's a one percenter of the one percenters, which means he's a million percenter. Uh, Joe Shermanic here, just trying to figure shit out. I'm a one percenter, but a regular one percenter. So that's just a an American one percenter. But uh, we're working through it. Uh, hopefully, whatever percentile you fall in, um, maybe through the discussions that we have on this show, um, you can just climb the ladder some way, shape, or form and do a little bit better. And that's um, I love the three words, Jeremy. That when we were brainstorming this idea, that I think they come train, hunt, and live. I mean. Since focusing on those three things, my life is a little simpler and a little happier. Yeah? Yeah. How's that? I don't know. It's just, you know, when you boil it down, is this help? Is this training helping me do anything? Um, uh, Hunting is like a hobby and a fun thing and a great thing that it's not only a hobby and a fun thing, but like focusing on that just uh, boils down. It makes my training better. Because before I used to train for fitness sports, and we've talked about it, the fitness sport game is great, yeah. but the I think the I think the misconception for the common person who watches pro sports of any kind, they look at those pro athletes and think that they're healthy. They're they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're in great condition, but I don't think they're healthy. Um, and I think that's different. We can talk about that. And then I think when you can wrap those. When, you know, kind of doing those first two right, you know, I just feel like i am been living pretty good since moving to Washington, but that's it. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're definitely a fit fellow. Mm. And I, I love... We, uh, we, we put it to the test this weekend. <laughs> you're so fit that one of our, hunting, our guys in the hunting party were over there looking at you, and then we catch him looking at his own biceps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was great when um and we got to um that was other cool thing we got to bring in a new a new hunter right you you brought Dre on who was um Joey's buddy uh your son's buddy and um it was great it was great seeing somebody who was in my position just three years ago I was like him three years ago and not to say that I know anything more but it was cool to be able to have him ask me questions and then me be like well this is what I do try that you know it was cool. Yeah, it was kind of a double mentor thing. It was the hunting side and then the athletic side, and and uh, yeah, he was he was pretty fired up. You gave him some great information. Well, and I he gave us a great hand, dang it, because we <laughs> we might still be in the woods if Dre wasn't there. So, um, but um, th- th- that's the point. What's that, Bub? I'm still sore. Oh yeah, well, you know, and and we'll get into this. I'm not sore. I am having a hard time catching up with hydration, and I think I'm I have some underlying stress that's really interesting um, that I'm trying to work through, um, where I'm just beat up. I don't feel sore. I just feel about I feel a step slower. That makes sense. I'm 100. <laughs> percent No, dude, I I completely feel the same way. I was thinking, gosh, man. Usually I come back and day two, day three, I'm kind of fired up and I have all this energy, but I wonder. I wonder if it was the smoke inhalation that we dealt with for two days and then our pack out. I mean, that was some huffing and puffing action. Yeah, and to get into it. It was no easy hiking. (laughs) 
Yeah, the spot we were at, typical Western Washington stuff, th- thick, thick, high, steep, nasty, humid, and then that, um, you know, across the Columbia, you know, we had pretty hefty fires that, you know, visibility was really interesting. It was, it was, it was thick, but you could kind of see, and there were pockets of you could get into it. So, but yeah, you know, you bring up the air quality. I wonder if that did manage to kind of. Um, mess with things a little bit. And and in general, it's not anything we're escaping coming home either, right? I mean, air quality is really interesting, and, and that has to play into to your general feeling. You're just not getting as much good stuff from, from the air. No, I 100% agree, because, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that's kind of affected me, because, I mean, we only hunted two days. I mean, they were big days, but we're usually out there for five days, putting in five big days, and then you know still packing out an elk. But the only difference is was that air quality was, it, which I really didn't notice while we were there. To be honest with you, I mean, there's a few times where we'd catch whiff of it, and it would be like, oh, it's smoky. And of course, we didn't have the visibility that we typically do. But it was, uh, you know, when they're telling you to stay in home, and I, I think I looked at what the. <laughs> <laughs> we listened and here we are up in the hills. <laughs> we went to the fire <laughs> we put in yeah we did and we put in 30 miles in two days and they were i mean steep ugly miles heavy <laughs> yeah well yeah. L- let's get into five some- of them were super yeah, let's get into some of those miles. And, you know, it started out with us getting out there as soon as we could on Friday to do some scouting. The Washington Opener started on Saturday, but we got out there with some light on Friday. And, um, you know, we had put we had stashed the cars. And for the first time in a Washington hunt, you know, I, we kind of convinced ourselves that the good idea would be to set up a bit of a remote camp to, you know, because just to also, you know, this is important to, to discuss too. One of the reasons for me to do this opener in Washington just for the weekend was to kind of game plan and pre-game a backpacking trip because we're going to be backpacking through Oregon. I've never done that before where I'm living off camp for a while. So I thought, hey, let's make this weekend feel like that. And so it started off with, you know, meeting at the truck and you and Dre had been there shooting for a while and um, we we packed into camp and, and camp was what, about a mile from the trucks? I mean, not a huge thing, but it was a mile uphill, but um we got after yeah, it. it was a mile and 400 feet uphill. Yeah. In elevation. Yeah. We found a nice little bench. It was protected from the wind and, um, it was great. And that was cool. I mean, you know, usually in the Washington camp, we, we, uh, we car camp and set up a nice base camp, but I liked having that remote setup. I mean, you felt in it, you're hearing the animals at night. Um, and, and there's, there's, I don't know, controversy on this topic or debate to say the least about, do you camp where you hunt? And, Having done it this past weekend and the success we had and the fun we had, um, you could debate high-low, but for me, I'm going to try and camp close to the action. That was great. Yeah, we were right there, right on the edge, right? We weren't in the middle, but we were just right on the edge of where we were hunting. I mean, we could have been in the middle of some elk, elky spots, but um, but where we were hunting, you know, we were we were just right there. And it was perfect because it wasn't like we had to climb that 400 feet to get there to go back down another 500 feet. We were already at our 400, so we could walk out and do our drop from there. Yeah, essentially we were on the opposite bench of the ridge system we were hunting, you know. 
and and I think yeah. the way the wind was working and with and and to in the beginning of the podcast we talk about how the cl- how the fire smoke maybe hindered us, but I do believe that that smog covered you know my buddy Josh he's my uh, my Native American friend who got me into all this and I call I every every hunt I go on I call him as I'm driving in I'm like I need I need um, I need some wampum from the red man hook me up brother and uh and he does and he'll give me a, some words of advice and i was just like you know i'm a little worried about going and, and hunting close to these fires and he goes well as long as you can breathe i think that that shit will cover your scent and i'm like all right yep. <laughs> so and it and game it, on and it did yeah i think so because i mean the wind was blowing down you know, we'll get into this, but the wind was blowing down during the time I harvested mine. I mean, I felt it in my back. Yeah. Yeah, and I never felt like the wind was an issue. I mean, maybe if there was one point where we maybe got winded was this was the opening morning. And and, and I don't even think we got winded. I yeah. And we'll get into the moment in a second, but um, well, let's get back into that. So remind me to come back to that first hunt. Yeah. But after we set up camp, it was really cool, and this would speak to the wind as well. We went out and um, we hiked down that ridge system, and um, we got into a nice little glassing spot. And uh, you know, within twenty minutes of glassing, we picked up a bull on the road. Yeah, he was just feeding away at about six thirty, six thirty p.m. Yeah, and it speaks to. I mean, what I also felt from this hunt that I got is early. I mean, first light and last light is prime time to me. I mean, and, and you know, this, again, third camp, whatever, third season elk hunting. Um, but this week in particular, that was just lights out. We saw we saw and heard elk every night at first and last light. And um, that first one was really in particular. And it was a moment for me that was great because I, I saw an elk before you did, kind of. Like, I remember <laughs> I'm sitting there and we're glassing and I'm like, man... Jeremy, I keep looking at that spot over there, and I keep thinking it's an elk, but I just don't know. It can't be an elk because it was right there on the road. And then you put your glass to it, and what do we see? That nice little four by four. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's making cool. his way down right towards us. And it's cool to see him when they're on those roads. I mean, and and you know they do use those roads because that where we hunt, it's so awful terrain wise, even for them. But you know when they're they're feeding on those robes still there there there's still some forbs on the road there's still some fresh grass it's easy for them to walk and and they definitely still looked comfy at that time. Oh yeah, for sure they looked extremely comfortable and a lot of the sign that we seen were on all the road systems in between fourteen hundred and sixteen hundred feet is what I calculated was kind of like that magic elevation for some reason. Yeah, it was amazing. They were crossing. Tra- there, there was all kinds of tracks on the roads crossing them. There was a ton of predator sign on the roads. Um, there, I mean, there were fights. You could tell there were elk fights on the roads. I mean, it seemed like they were yeah. living on the road. Now we didn't see them on the road a lot, but I mean, you could tell they they were definitely using the road systems. Yeah, they definitely were. And uh, you know, but that is awfully steep country where we're hunting. I mean, it's a little steeper than. The other areas we kind of hunt. I mean, it's a coastal range. I mean, we're 25 miles, 20 miles from the the ocean, right? So, and but 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 brutal. So so we scouted one up, we glassed one up, and the cool part about that was it kind of set us for a little bit. It was cool to go to bed 
the night of opening, or excuse me, the morning of opening night, and and going, okay, we know they're here. Like it just it set the demeanor. It's not that Elk Camp is ever for me. It's never not positive, but there's like anxiety because they are so hard to locate. So seeing them opening night after not seeing them when we were scouting was just like, it just got the positive vibes going. And it was just like, okay, ready to rock and roll. Let's get some sleep. Let's go get some elk. And and it set the tone. Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, Dre was super pumped up. That's the first time he'd ever seen an elk. Yeah. And there he He was. was. He was cracking me up. It was cool. They're they're magic when you see them. We and we you know we tinkered with them a little bit to see if we couldn't get a little bugle out of them. Um, you know we did some we did some real uh, you did some real light cow calls, but it also spoke to just watching them when they're comfortable. They are unbelievable at locating. I mean, when their ability oh. to pair sound um, with location is and it was instant. And he was he went from oh, I'm feeding doing my thing to Oop. on. Right. Looked right at us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was I great. mean, like, he didn't look around like we would be like, where the hell did that come <laughs> that's from? Right. He was like, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, he went back to doing his thing. And then we retired and got up for the next day after, um, you know, after half of our hunting camp did something that I didn't think they would do. They they got in a little later and, and stomped through the woods. Uh, uh, kudos to you, Dave, for losing your glasses and still getting you and your boy up to camp safely in the dark. Uh, I have... You know, documented my own issues with the dark on this podcast so you're a better man than me in that <laughs> regard sir so kudos to you and jacob but um you know the the opening morning i thought was excellent and we'll get into this what we were talking about before where you know we're still debating the wind to just to tell you how much the wind wasn't an effect in terms of them picking up our scent was you know our first interaction happened at about seven no probably quarter to seven because I tagged it at six fourteen on my phone after we had left the spot but you know we we got into a nice little glassing spot and like instantly we're getting we're getting the the who the hell are you bark from 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 a lady cow and her calf yeah it was, she was like show me that's right come out what's can you I know make? you're there and and I'm sure it's because we're making the noise coming down the road. I wish I had my call so, with me right now. I got it somewhere, but I wish I could get that noise out for you. But if you haven't heard this, the who the hell are you? Yeah, it's a it's a cool alien noise. But there were moments where we thought it might be even a cat because there, this one was a real aggressive kind of, and then that growl at the end that she was putting yeah, it was off. Really interesting, right? It was yeah. It was. It sounded like it. It was kind of eerie sounding, really. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. It made me start to think it might, it could have been a bull. Yeah, or, or like maybe a little spike or something, just trying to get that bugle up its bugle chops. And it, I mean, it, we we estimate that we got it to what about thirty yards of us, and it just wouldn't break. Th- we were set up pretty good on this road system, and we just couldn't get it to break through the timber. Um, but we probably played with that cow. And listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. I went in there with a tag on this general tag, and it was antlerless. And the three-point bull. And I say, I'm still, and this is, this is, you tell me what you think about this opinion. Any guy who hasn't notched a tag yet, your first legal animal until you get your first legal animal. You can't be picky. That's, that's just my opinion. That's where I'm at right now. And that's even next week. When we go to Oregon, I know we got seven days planned and it's supposed to be this. And maybe people are just earmarking a bull. I'm still first legal animal. I just need to do it. I ain't wasting time. <laughs> Browning this down. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so, that's how I've always been. Yeah. 
Yeah, because, I mean, like, there's all kinds of reasons to hunt, and I think the trophy's just as good as any, and, you know, building your resume is, is awesome and having goals, and if you want a particular thing, get it. I'm all for it. But me, I still want that first tag, and my big motivation, you know, I, I'm still freezer man. I want meat in the freezer. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that'd be an interesting. What do you all think about that? I mean, I mean, I know that if you're 12 years in and you have a resume behind you and you got meat in the freezer backed up, it would be different. But for me, where I sit, haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm still brown as down. I'm going to hit the first legal animal that comes. <laughs> that's the way to do it man yeah so that's how you gain the experience and we'll get into that too with your your experience <clears throat> i gained some exactly. but, but then after and then and, and, and that's why yeah. i mean that's a prime example why once we get into it it's you you got to get stuff under your belt to experience yeah so and, and take don't it do yeah, and taking these baby steps in this journey for three years, um, it's been interesting for me. But we, we rounded through, and I didn't know this as we were hunting, and, and you, you're you pretty good. But, you know, as we're calling at this cow and trying to get her to break through, you know, you had kind of sleeked back. And at that moment, we had felt the wind kind of hit us in the back, all of us. And she got quiet for a minute, and then you came back down, and you sent me around the edge, and we heard her bark one more time. And, um, you know, we kind of did a bit of a setup, but still that wind, I don't think affected her, but had I known what I figured out later, cause we had worked rounded that corner a little bit more and we had found out, and this is in true Roosevelt style. We thought, I thought we were on the edge of this really thickly, densely populated reprod. And for the most part, that meadow was a reprod meadow, but we had broken around that corner and you know, there was probably about what you would say maybe a 50 yard by six yard little mini sanctuary meadow with a little beautiful creek running through yeah. it, all this reprod. And that's where her and her calf were hanging out. Yeah, no, it was it was a perfect spot. But uh, too perfect because we couldn't pull her through it. But she 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 slinked out the back end that we went through. So it was pretty cool. But that's how the morning started. And for me, that, yeah, at that point in the hunt, all I'm thinking is, holy shit, we got bulls in the evening. We got cows barking at us in the morning. What the hell's going to happen? Um, but then in true, you know, you know, everything, all good things must come to an end. Then we spent, what, six hours just slugging it through the the beauty the beautiful coastal ranges of of western washington it was a that morning hiking locating trying to find them although we did i think see the cows that we were playing with they it went we put her to bed or another cow we did see another elk but man we we spent some time trying to locate some animals didn't we oh yeah man through some nasty stuff too creek bottoms stay away from them <laughs> i say it every year and i find myself in them every year yeah, and, and to be honest, if you guys want to um, actually see what I'm looking at, uh, one of the initial posts that I did at this hike, um, it's actually on our Instagram page, and check out uh, Backcountry and Barbells, and it's a it's actually a pretty cool post, and I'll get the date on it based on when you guys are going to listen to this. Um, let me pull it up here. But it's a pretty cool post, and it, it was posted on, what, two days ago at the time of this recording? So when you guys listen listening to it, it'll be about five days ago. But you'll see, I'm, we're, I'm from the bottom of the creek, and I'm looking up with the phone at the at the top of the clear cut, and I kind of scan down to this skid road where you're making a call with Dre. And honestly, that that little that little scenery gives you a bit of a glimpse of the easier spots it is to navigate that we were going through. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was uh, it was some brutal. It was steep. Yeah. But, but we went into country that I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to do that loop. Yeah. Well, what what about that loop? Was it that you wanted to always check out? I because the, the, there was that road system down at the bottom, and I wanted to a actually see if it was a true road system. Yeah. And then, with the amount of clear cuts around there, I really thought that it would hold some decent sized bulls. Yeah. Because there's no other cover. Well, but, um, once it, we got down there, we didn't. We saw some sign, but we didn't see any like recent sign or a resident bull or anything like that living down there. Yeah, it was super old, and that was actually really weird to me because what I just to make an observation on the fire, the elk were high, even though the air quality high. was better or lower. Yeah, they were. They were. They were all high. Yeah, which was so I'm saying they were right in that 1400 to 1600 range, and we were we were hunting from 800 to uh, 1900 feet. Yeah, and we tried to get down low because I mean, look, my instincts would have told me get lower, the air's better, but it, it just seemed and it was cool down there. I mean, by that river bottom was beautiful. I mean, we stopped there for about an hour and ate some lunch, filled up our water. You know, I'm I'm a hand pipe. By the way, we're talking about gear that I'm readjusting for this one. I got I got rid of that. Listen, my little hand pump was great when I'm with my kids and I'm just trying to take sips out of a stream, but that hand pump is not fulfilling anything <laughs> but my mouth. Um, so I I went out and got a um, MSR filter that you hook right up to the bladder. So what you do is you you fill the bladder, and then the filters on the end where you suck. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So yeah, now, yeah, yeah. So now I can just dump the bladders in and then filter the bladders as we take it out, but. Oh man, and then you—I I, had—I had pump envy, sir, from yours. I was going to buy your pump, but then I saw this one. I was like, "Oh, he can have his hand pump. I'm just going to fill my bag. Let's see how fast he can do it now." But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but again, it was cool because that was in that was a moment I wanted to take my gear that I wanted to use for sure and put it to the test, and and that was an upgrade I made since being home. Um, did did you? Uh, I know that you kind of brought gear, so we had two different thoughts. You brought everything plus. I brought the bare minimum of what I thought I would need for sure. Um, and, and with your strategy, okay, so I'm going to, let me go with what I threw. I updated my filter because it was too slow to pump. I definitely bought uh, a bed mat because sleeping at night was really important and I could have slept better had I had a little bit more support. And honestly, dude, I hate saying this, um, but I'm going to say it fucking right now. And I'm using the word fuck because I mean it and I'm fucking pissed. Um, the damn boots that I've been raving about for a year, and they did great at late season after I just bought them. They did great while I was snowshoeing. Um, they did great while I was hiking all summer. Those CH1s from Under Armour did not stand the test of time because I took them on this. And sorry, Cam Haynes, your boots do not keep hammering. I'm pissed. Um, at the price point for three hundred dollars, they're not they they're not living up to it. They're not. Get, I'm not even gonna get a full year out of them um, because this. Uh, this hunt, this was the hunt they were supposed to do their job. They were supposed to stay dry. They were supposed to fit awesome. They were supposed to be the shit. They were, they were not. They fit awesome. Um, their comfort's great. I could run in them. But all of a sudden on this hunt, they turned into a sponge. We went out that morning and they sponged up the morning dew and my feet were wet the whole damn weekend. I could not believe it. And this is not anything, I mean, I had Ellsworth socks on, but what are they going to do And you keep dipping them in a sponge? 
They're gonna, you know, I was just my feet. Yeah, they're gonna absorb. <laughs> my feet on Sunday were swampy, like almost so swampy that I thought the pads were gonna slough off. And if they sloughed off, I wouldn't be hunting this week. Like I was, I am so surprised. I was so upset. I'm so pissed. So right now, I'm breaking in a pair of, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm breaking in a pair of Danner antelopes, and um, oh, I, oh, nice. Yeah. So I went up to Sportco and I ended up. This is great too. There was a guy in the same situation as me. He was running up to Eastern Oregon. He was like, hey, "Cause I just realized my boots have no tread." And he goes, "I'm getting another pair of antelopes. I've been wearing them for years. They're great. They do this." This guy was giving me the rundown on them. I said, "All right, I'm in, bro." I I, I told the sport co guy. I, go, I I I checked out the guy behind me. I said, "By the way, whatever the boot guy's commission is, give it to this motherfucker because he just sold these boots." <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I upgraded my boots. Yeah, I, got, I ran. I used to run pronghorns for about uh, 10 years. Oh, that's what I got. Sorry. I said, what I say? Antelope? <laughs> yeah. Same yeah, difference. They're the pronghorns. Yeah. So that's what I got. And they're, I mean, I'm breaking them in right now and I'm, I've worn that. I, I almost slept in them last night. So I got up this morning and took a hike in them, not packed. I mean, my whole job this week was just to recover and get ready, but now I got to hike and break in fucking boots, man. And I'm sorry to be cussing if you're not used to the F word so much on this show, but I'm really pissed about that. And, um, and to not, and to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I'm even madder about the customer service at Under Armour. Um, I've called them and they keep saying they're going to email me this damn label to ship them back and inspect them. Like, I'm like, okay, you can inspect them, but they're going to inspect them. But then they keep, they keep email, they keep, the email can't, is not coming through. So every time I call them, I'm on the phone for an hour trying to get a hold of somebody. And then they don't send me the email. It's been a real shit show. I mean, what was a dream has become a nightmare. And I was telling my mom today, who's in town, because she's going to watch the kids while we were gone. I was like, it's actually really interesting to me because when I first put those boots on, they felt great. But inversely, if these Danner boots, I can tell they want they're they're going to make me work for, work for it a little bit, but I can tell there's going to yeah. be great comfort on the end. So I don't know. It speaks to products. You know, it's probably not Under Armour's fault. It's probably not Cam's fault. But I think for me, the big lesson of the boots is um, probably the first generation of any project is going to be have some problems. So maybe they have to do some refining. But I would really like to know if anyone else has, has a CH one. Like, how do they test over the long term? Because they are not. I cannot keep hammering in those boots because I'm going to get swamped. Yeah, you've foot. hunted, what, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten days you've hunted on those boots. That's it. Then, <laughs> right? Some Somewhere in there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because late. And a couple other hikes. Yeah, late season. Late. Uh, four days of late season elk hunting. Uh, three days of turkey hunting. And then, listen, I'll be honest. I was hiking a shitload in them. Seriously. A lot of hiking. Um, I put, I put fair miles on them. No, no joke, but you know, at $300 and at the marketing they put onto it and that if you're going to have a guy who runs a marathon a day and lifts weights and kills elk and tags out and says all this bullshit, you, you think that a boot is going to last multiple seasons at, especially at $300. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, am I being unfair? Let me know. Four hundred miles. <laughs> I think so, and I didn't put four hundred miles on them, but I didn't baby them, and and I'm hard on things. You, I mean, I'm, I don't, I buy stuff because I want to abuse it and use it. I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm fair to things, right? So I'm not going to even say that I wasn't hard on those boots. Um, and in all fairness, I'll I'll give the boots one. I'll give the boots one out. Um, I would I would even go fishing in them. 
Now, I wasn't wading in them, but, you know, I wonder if being on the coast, if the salt water ate them up a bit. But I was, they were never submerged in salt water, if that makes sense. But I just wonder yeah, if really yeah, I just wonder if the coastal air did something, that salty air. But uh, that's my rant on those boots. So uh, three, three changes I've made to upgrade my package, but everything else is going to be the same. I'm breaking in some damn boots, Cam Haynes. You should know that. <laughs> I should not be breaking. I've talked about feet. I should not be breaking boots in. The week before a hunt, this should be done. So I'm I'm angry about that. And then I got a pad because I'm just I was trying to be tough, but I got a pad and then a better water filter. So did you take anything out of your pack, Jeremy? Nope. I think I got everything I needed. Um, the only thing I'm gonna have to, for the weekend, I packed more than we needed because I didn't use my puffy jacket. I didn't use my um, mid layer, but. Those are the only two things, and then I didn't use my long johns either. But those are things that I'm going to have to pack in when we go. So I just wanted to make sure I could fit everything in there, and I still got to put in some food, right? Pair of pants to to be warm in the mornings. Yeah, so that's the thing I was going to ask you. We're going to be in a more of a desert climate. Um, uh, what's the um? What's the high low looking like weather wise? Because that's the last piece. It's like because I'm I'm thinking I have a I have a long. What I'm thinking for night gear and morning gear is I have a cool pair of long johns and some thick socks that I'm thinking of running at night and in the mornings and then changing into my hunting gear. But um, you are you going to bring your puffy setup? Yeah, oh yeah, well, it could be in the high twenties when in the morning, maybe low thirties, and then like ninety. And then 80, it's looking like 82, 75. Um, it's looking like the average is, oh no, shoot. One day it's going to be 76, 66, 76, 77, 76. And so this is down in in John Day. And where we're going to be at, we're going to be a couple, two, three thousand feet higher. Okay, so we're so we'll be somewhere around John Day. So we're going to have pretty extreme temperature changes, so 20s to 70, depending on what time we get yeah. up and whatnot. It, it can swing three, 30 to 40 degrees between evening and morning. So, so I usually make... in the morning, I'll be wearing all my gear. And then in the evening, it's usually I'll just throw on um, by 10 o'clock, taking off the long johns and everything else, and then – um, in the evenings, then we'll just be maybe throw the puffy on or, or the rain gear, just some kind of mm-hmm. wind protection. Sometimes that's what's the worst is the wind. So I wonder, I have that cool. Unco- so one of the things I'm figuring out with this backcountry setup, if you can get a tool that does multiple things, it's, it makes sense, right? So my uncompadre uh, puffy gear, that jacket folds up into a pillow. So even if I bring nice. it, even if I bring it and don't need it, I have a pillow. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna need it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll okay. need it because it's gonna be chilly. Yeah, but I'm because a... then you're sitting on the ground and it's cold. Yeah, but I'm a man. I won't tell you I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I won't tell you I'm cold, sir. But um, well, sweet. So so you won't bring your puffy gear. Uh, oh no, you are bringing your puffy. So it doesn't. Sa- it sounds like what you brought. You're still gonna bring. You haven't. You're not gonna be making any adjustments. No, the only thing I'm going to bring is another five days of food. Yeah, cool. It's the only difference. 
Sweet. And, and speaking of the, you know, the packs and stuff, and we'll, actually, we, we'll, let's return to the packs in a minute because I made an upgrade before, you know, my, my one upgrade. And if you go back to a couple episodes ago where I talked about how I went from a hand-me-down pack into uh, that Stone Glacier R350-900, um, I loved it. And your XO4800, your, 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 your bro edition did great. Um, anyone thinking about elk hunting, those frame packs that, that they're... Exo Mountain Gear, Stone Glacier, and those are the two that we've run in camp. I mean, worth every penny. Every penny. Gee whiz! And we'll talk I mean, about. We we packed some weight out, dude. <laughs> yeah, and in right, and 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 we got after yeah. it. So well, let's go. Let's finish up. Let's finish up the afternoon of day one. We come out of our little sightseeing session, beat tired. And like, I'm like, I remember looking at the map. I'm like, I like this spot. There's timber here, meadow there, a little bit of private on the edge. Let's just check it out. So we come to the clearing and and we see a bull pushing a bunch of cows and raking and, and getting after it, man. That was, and what was it, about 5.10, 5.30-ish we saw those bulls? Yeah, it was about 5.30. And we what we did is we threw out a locate bugle. Yeah. And he popped off. Big time. And then we saw the cows come out. And, you know, I've always thought that you're carrying on a little bit and all these guys are carrying on a little bit when they're mimicking a thrashing bull. Um, They're not. (laughs) 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 If anything, they're not carrying on enough because that was a thing I heard first. I was like, I was like, there's a hunter down there doing his whatever dance. And it was not. That was that was wild. Very powerful animal. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. So the only problem with those animals was they were across one of probably the steeper, higher, nastier basin canyon systems in the in the area. And it was like, what the hell do we do? And um, it was either go down and up around like 12 miles or um, there was this cool two-mile sprint. It worked out. We just kind of sprinted along this ridgeline road system, and the, the plan was... Man, they're feeding across from um, from where our vantage point at that time. They were feeding from left to right, and they looked really comfortable doing it, even with our calling. Um, so we just beat feet and decided we're going to try and hit them in in a, in a particular spot. I mean, it was um, it was. I I don't know. I think I might have pr'd my two mile <laughs> with a pack on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it was three and a half miles, Joe. It was two miles from where we were to the to go up the hill. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's do from from gate to gate where we went. You know, it was it was it was pretty cool. And people will knock on the logging system. Maybe too many roads in Washington, but you know, a lot of them aren't accessible by vehicle anyway. But they do make for good travel when you have to be something like that. You know what I mean? So you. Oh yeah. You know, and it was the first. It was the first time in Washington where I've hunted where it was true like spot and stalk. But this was more like spot and sprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were up against time, right? Because uh, shooting light, I think, is over at seven, seven fifteen, or something. Yeah, well, and, and again, luck, planning, timing, fitness—you know, preparation—all the stuff that we talk about in this podcast being on our side. You know, we're we're looking around trying to get a location on them, and um, we're on this little um, switchback road, and you're in front, I'm in the middle, about to turn right behind you. Uh, Dre goes stop 
there's something there. I heard something. And then I see a branch or a tree kind of bend over. So it looks like one cow got jumped. And then I come and step towards you. I look up at Dre. And then we see two other cows sprint down the hill. Um, so we had found them. Yeah. And we were only within, we were 20 yards. Yeah, right on at where we... At that point. The first cow was 20. The second was about 50. Right where we thought there'd be. Because from our vantage point on the other side of the canyon, there were a couple different benches or, or, or uh, there was a road cut they could have been on. It was pretty amazing. And then I thought I thought it was game over. I said, oh, we just, we blew it. You know, we, we were a little too not paying attention. Um, we blew it, man. Um, I mean, you were sitting there talking and... The real story. Well, we, we blew. We, a cow called and I bugled. Yep. And then I chuckled, and we waited a little bit, and I chuckled again. But I thought it was over. And yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. <laughs> I, no. I I looked to my left and I saw, um, probably what like eighty yards away there was a corner and I I just saw the bottom half of of an animal and I looked at you and I said oh one's coming and you go. You we did one of these, and you go, it's the bull, and I was like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and you went into coaching mode, and you're like, walk up the road, get on your knees, and you start doing your thing. And um, uh, this is where my learning experience came into play. You know, kind of thinking what was happening, I went right into draw. You know, I and and I didn't I didn't rush that one. I went right in through my process. First thing I had done when I had set up, knowing it was coming. I was looking for something to range, and, and in fact, what I was actually trying to do, there was a moment where I looked back to you and Dre, and I'm like, get me a range. I don't know if you heard me say that, but I was trying to say it low, and I was trying to be like, get me a range, get me a range, and finally I said, fuck it. I pulled out my range finder, and I ranged this log that was behind the road, and I ranged that log at 51 yards where I'd taken a knee, and then after I'd ranged it, this is before the elk shows up. I uh, I kind of went through my shot process and just drew. You know, I'm watching some videos. It seems to me like a lot of these guys are successful if they can have be drawn already and then take the shot. Um, and I had actually never done that before. Um, so there's the first mistake, to kind of go through a new process. That was a little interesting to me. Um, but I was stuck at draw for what I thought an eternity. <laughs> Do you, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if you remember me at draw. Was it as long as I thought it was? No, it was only like a, it was maybe a minute. Yeah, it felt, honestly, it felt like forever. And then, and then I decided, well, he's not coming. He's just taking his time. Maybe he's held up because there was a pretty big pine that, and it was actually a great setup. I was down on my knees. You were behind something. I was on my knees on the side of the road. He didn't really see me coming, and there was that nice pine there too. Um, but man, I, I felt he did a real soft chuckle too. Yeah, like a little. <laughs> Yeah. Like it was something like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of like, do you really want, it was kind of like, you really want to fight me right now, man. I'm not, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just fired it right back at him. Mm-hmm. It was, it was wild to have, a. but even though it was like a soft chuckle, it was still like, it was intense to be that close. Oh yeah. It was like, it was it was it was pretty wild, um, but the problem is, as soon as I put down, I saw white antler tips. He come up from that road because I guess what I didn't realize is that road that that drop was a little steeper than I thought, um, and uh, he come right out. I saw antler tips, and I rushed through my process to get drawn again, 
And I couldn't, I didn't know, I was looking at that log, looking at him, looking at that log, looking at him, and I couldn't quite get a range on it. And I put, I put the 40 yard pin on him and, um, I fired and I probably went, I went right over his back, you know, by a couple inches and it just shot too high. He went back and forth, went all over. Um, but you know, I missed and, um, I was, he looked at me and said, did you miss? And I said, I think I went over his back. Um, so it, it was, uh, the learning experience for me was trust your process, but also like, um, you have to go through your process to some degree. And, you know, that, that second draw, I just wasn't as comfortable. And in fact, I remember, I remember when I was playing that game, log, bull, log, bull, log, bull. My last thought wasn't win. My last thought wasn't pull like it always is. You know what my last thought was? Uh, fuck it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trigger. Yeah, because I couldn't yeah. decide what pin to use, right? So I'm fixated on which pin rather than letting the process play out. You know what I mean? And um, ultimately, you put your best pin on it, right? And and you shoot, you, you know, and with experience, you get better at it. And But 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 that's it. So, so like, I, I, I went through a good process, put it down, didn't go through the right process a second time, and just didn't didn't execute the shot with confidence. You know what I mean? And what's to say if I did execute it with confidence, it would have went in, you know, would I have settled? Um, and then the third point on the learning process too, talking with you later is, um, and this is something that I'm still debating because in your mind, you thought that bull would have kept coming in my, in my mind on my knees, you know, my first time being at draw on an animal, like this was a big deal for me. Like I've talked, like, this is the very first time I've drawn my bow on an animal. Very first time I've taken a shot with my bow on an animal. And thank God I've got that, you know, I'm walking around with, you know, a couple bucks of carbon in my hand and I'm trying to, you know, plan a dart on something. It was, it was tough. Um, but it was a big deal to come on draw and to not shit my pants when I did it. So I was proud in that regard. <laughs> But I still didn't. I I still didn't just do it as good as I could. But the point I'm trying to get to you is, you were pretty sure the bull would have kept coming. Me being in a pretty inexperienced shooter role, I swore we mean that bull made eye contact, and I thought he was out. But then, even going through that with me, you were like, "Well, if you look at the position he was, even if he went out, he would have still had to step out more to make that turn." So I just want to go on in, in your mind. I made eye contact with it and thought, this fucker is gone. You, from your vantage point, what what was it that made you think that he was comfortable enough to keep coming? Because you thought he would have just walked right up the road to you. Because he always kept his right eye on us. And usually when, they, um, <clears throat> when they're unsure and they're nervous, they'll identify with the other eye. So he would have shifted his head. He would have looked at us with the one eye, shifted his head with his other eye, and his body composure was that of relaxed, like I'm coming in and I am going to kick the crap out of somebody. Mm. He was he didn't have the demeanor of a nervous bull. Where typically you could kind of see they get not like fidgety, but they get like their heads bob, they move around a lot, they kind of they're trying to get you to kind of do the same thing almost. All right. And so his composure was very relaxed when he came around that corner and he was coming up in an in an elk to elk kind of. You thought he was coming in to fight an elk, not not knowing where he's going. Yeah, he had no clue that we were on our knees and I've noticed any time that I'm on my knees, they look right past you. 
Yeah. If you're if we were standing up, he would have been gone. Guaranteed. That's why I told everybody to get on your knees. Yeah. And we did, you know. And um <clears throat> so in your opinion, he was strutting in there like the heavyweight champ strutting in the ring. He was doing a ring strut. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm in, I'm relaxed, you know, he's and then in, in my mind confident. Yeah. He's confident. And I guess in my mind, I think of wild animals coming in like they're going to get killed. He didn't know what we were. And he, I thought he was, I thought, you know, I thought all animals who come into that scenario are going to be that nervous twitch. You ever see like a chicken walk versus like a prize fighter, right? That kind right. of, that kind of jittery thing. And, um, no, that's a good point. I'm, and talking through it, that's something to, it's something to realize. You know, I just, um, it was crazy. But even after taking that shot, I'm, I'm kind of bummed. There's one other regret I have. After he took that shot and he sprinted up, he crashed a little bit. Like he not crashed like fell, but he was there. And there was that ridge line and I I almost I wish rather than waiting for him to come back, I I wonder what would have happened if I had stepped through to see how close he was because he he was hanging out there for a bit and about 4 minutes later even after all our talking we saw him slink away. So I I there's 50 yards. I mean, he wasn't that far. Yeah, and we could have so I wonder I'm like, huh. Then that's I regret that more than the shot cuz the shot is what it was. I mean, I can live with putting a bad pin on something and even if I would have grazed him and not found him. I mean, it is what it is. People miss shots, people bury darts and elk and don't recover them. It would nothing goes to waste in nature, so stop crying if you're you're wondering about hurting animals. Even the carcass that we left out is going to get eaten up by something. Like right. nothing goes to waste in nature. You know, bad shots happen, but I, I the big regret is not following up the shot with just turning that corner. Why not well, we've already spooked him, right? What's the harm in knocking an arrow and stepping out? You know what I mean? So, so that's something to me. But it was a great experience. It, I think I, I'm I'm pleased with myself to not shit my pants, especially after like hyperventilating when a doe walked on this game trail I was on solo hunting. So um, <laughs> it was pretty fired, man. It was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I did swing and miss, Dave. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, he threw the salt on you there, huh? Yeah, I did swing and miss. Oh, I heard you swung and miss there, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> but all's fair in elk camp, sir. I'm not mad at you. But I did swing and miss, but I had a great time doing it. And and I I do think, I was again, I'm, I've been talking a lot about this with my wife and friends. I think that this miss will be the reason I kill many animals in the future. Yeah, absolutely. If it's something you got under your belt or you walked away, you could think about it. I mean, in a positive format, everything was perfect. Like I was telling you, the only thing different was maybe you could have snuck up the road a little further. Yeah. And then the point that you bring about second, we, we, and I mean, Dre and I should have shifted over to the other side of the skid road, pulled a kneel and had you, and then you still hunt up around the corner because he was not that far away. Yeah. He was only 50 yards away. Yeah. Where he stopped. Yeah. So, I mean, again, he was close. And then the other thing, too, it's like he was... The other thing is I didn't... The other thing is that I ranged that log, and then that log was actually probably 15 yards deep and up as opposed that the... the, the, I ranged the log that was on the same level as me. But that elk was a little lower on the road. So, and I might have gotten the distance right, but 
I'd never without the range find. And th- and this speaks to maybe the the downside of having decent gear. I mean, I have run a cool little impact vortex rangefinder that takes the angle into it and account and stuff. But I don't know if that's helping me judge distance. I'm too reliant on it. I need to, like we were doing when we were scouting, I need to be shooting more and trying to instinctually judge distance. And I especially need to be practicing more um, up and down shots. I mean, that's something that needs to just become the way I shoot, especially if I'm going to continue to hunt here in Western Washington, which I love. I'm, I, I, if anything, I fell more and more in love with the Roosevelt Woods on this weekend. I mean, I, I'm excited to do what we're about to do in East Eastern Oregon, but after this weekend, I love it more than ever, even after missing a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I get amped up every year. It's, it's just way too fun. And it's fun watching you get all excited, too. It's a, it's a, I made a post this weekend, just a post about, I posted your bull, and then I made a post of me packing it out, and um, I'm just like, I love this. It's in my blood, and I think it's in my DNA, and I honestly think it's in everybody's, and, and we'll talk more about that. But the weekend wasn't owner, over. We alluded to it, and um, it speaks to the it speaks to how resilient you have to be in the elk woods. It speaks to how important it is to realize you're in part of a team and not just go into the tank because we're sitting around camped in, at night trying to judge the game plan, and I'm like, you know what, man? If it's me, we're getting up at first light and going right back to that spot. And and that's that's where we sit. So how'd the morning start out? The next morning. So now we're Sunday morning. Yeah, we get in there. It's dark. We have three positions. Dave and his son are up high. You went down low, and I stayed in the middle where I could call both sides of this ridge system near where you um, got in that encounter with that bull. And... As soon as the sun came up, I just started doing some cow calling and uh, some light bugles, and we got responses all over the place. Yeah, it was crazy. At least three bulls. A lot of yeah, it was crazy. There was a bull to my left, low. You guys picked up one. Um, I even heard coyotes. I thought they were wolves. By the way, it was a wild morning. I mean, there was the, the woods were alive with the sound of wild things. Yeah, <laughs> and Dre and I had a herd underneath us, and they were working up towards us. So I pulled back and started calling and raking. And then the other two bulls over in the draw where you were were just going nuts. Well, I was and calling. Then, I was but, I was calling a little bit. So I was I was playing off your calls a bit. And as I started, because we had a meet time, so what I ended up doing was I was like, well, let me tinker around. So I was making some faint cow calls, and as I was working back to you, I was trying to see if. Maybe that bull who was off low into my left wouldn't realize there was a cow working towards some other bulls. So that that was my thought in doing that. But yeah, it, and the the bull below me was like a glunk and chuckler. Like I've seen you make the glunk noise, and I've heard Kurt. I've heard uh, I've seen um, uh, Corey. Um, what's Corey? Corey. Uh, yeah, Corey Jacobson does that glunking thing, glunk glunk glunk, where you tap the thing. I'm like, what the? These guys doing. This ain't music class. What are we doing here? And uh, <laughs> no, he was doing that. It was a chuckle glunk. And a glunk, a glunk I, I called him the glunk and chuckler. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, unbeknown to us, we thought they were in like near us or in our, the clear cut or the ridge system we were in. But as the, as we were able to finally kind of look and focus, we saw the one bull to the right with 10 cows and they was on the other side of the canyon. Yeah, where we the were exact yesterday. Spot where we 
<laughs> the day before. Yeah, so we had. So to, it was like a flip flop, right? Yeah, so we had to do the two mile. Um, we had to do that three mile run again, and but there was a little bit yeah. more urgency on this one because we had to. We knew they were they were feeding across, and we were getting close to. Well, there wasn't a ton of urgency because we had all day, right? You know, it was can we get there before they get into the ridge system and bed down? Um, but it was wild because we saw a lot of them, and it was cool. And the way I had counted it, we had, I had counted thirteen animals. So there were there were uh, there were eleven cows. I think there were the way I counted it. There were ten cows, two calves, and that bull. And that bull was pushing them all around. But that bull kept going back the other way. And I think that bull was trying to be proactive about fending off the one, the glunk and chuckler. Um, yeah, it was wild to watch. I mean, it was really cool having. Having having struggled through those clear cuts to just watch those animals sprint, Effort. jump, eat whatever they wanted through them, exactly effortlessly. Yeah, and we'll post a bunch of these videos because I can. Pre- it's cool because I have the coyote morning calling. I have that session filmed, and you can hear the coyotes. I have the cows on the whole other side of the ridge system filmed. Um, then we do the sprint, which was pretty cool. And what was wild about the sprint, I can't believe this played out. We pull up on the sprint, and you you peered over the edge, and you go, "Oh, they're right there." <laughs> it's like <laughs> I went, I almost, I almost, you know, um, I think a young man learned a hard lesson this weekend about talking to other grown men. But I almost told you to shut up. I was like, "Shut up, motherfucker!" You, you know, bulls down there. I thought you were kidding. I thought you were kidding, sir. And um, they were there. That the the we had gotten there, Jeremy. I can't believe it. We had gotten there just in time. I think if we were five minutes later, they all would have been in that deep timber, and and we would have okay. never seen them. Never. So, um, well, then you set up and start calling. What was your call? I mean, is there? I mean, because he, it was not an easy spot for that elk. It was pretty steep down, but we were relatively close. There were the way I'd counted it, what four cows and that bull were still out. Yeah, and then he dropped down below him back in the timber. Oh, he then went, there was a spike. He went into the timber. I a, didn't know that. Yeah, he went down in the timber. He went. He was down deep, and then there was a spike bull that was the very last one. Mm. And then he was down. Yeah, because I watched him go down into the timber and then or into the reprod, and he vanished. And so that's why I started getting a little more aggressive with the raking and. Um, chuckling and because the cows were still out cows were still out oh see i didn't know that part of it very cool yeah and then i and then i made some cow calls some soft cow calls and a few wines and and then um and then he was going off and this went for about 20 minutes you think 15 i think it was probably shorter than that i because i had filmed a good portion of it maybe 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 15 minutes if you're going from start to finish but when we had split up i think it was from when we had split up to when you had arrowed him um pretty short to be honest with you but i think the call that I'll i'll tell you the call that you made that fired me up the most your lip balm was on like that whole and you it only works with the tube too the way you get that yeah. right but i remember thinking i was like this guy is i think that was the game changer yeah i was like this guy's on today and what what's cool about what you were doing is i've heard you call before and it sounds too good but that in particular session you were you weren't calling like jeremy day you were calling like an elk 
it was pretty cool. <laughs> and I don't know how to say that. Like there was some real like it was like you were really trying to match what he was doing. And it was like a fight. It was like an argument. It was like a debate. Like and I don't know if you can speak elk, but hearing you and this bull go back and forth and again I got this on tape because we had set up in three positions Dre was in the middle I was off to the right you went left and then started working your way down and we didn't know how this guy was going to switch back up and you know um he ended up coming right to you but it was super intense in the way you were kind of mixing up what you were doing did you really have a plan with it or were you just kind of feeling him out to decide what to do it was it was awesome to watch yeah, I was just kind of feeling him out. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to do these cow calls and then I'm going to whip out this lip balm as like a Hail Mary because the four other cows kind of almost made their way into into the reprod. They didn't care. And he was fired <laughs> up. And, and, and I thought, you know what? It's just time. And I threw that lip balm out. And I think that is what, because then he came running out of that canyon. Yeah, cause that and would... I didn't know he was running out of the canyon. I just looked over this log and saw him, and I and then all of a sudden I went into some mode. I like I told you, I don't know what the hell happened. All of a sudden I'm sliding down the mountain on my butt for like 15 yards because I needed to get by something that I could draw, and there was a down a big log. And then I looked over at you, and I'm like, "Where is he?" And you're like, "He's right there." And yeah. the next thing, I, so I stood up, <laughs> and then there he was. Yeah, because I saw you working down, and I don't think you knew how close he was to you. I could tell by the way you were moving, you didn't know what you were really doing. Like, and, and but even you were calling, you were into that. You didn't, you, you definitely didn't know where he was. Because I, 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 if and you again, you'll see the video, folks. I didn't. I was so close, and Jeremy was so close. I didn't want to disrupt. I could have got some pretty bomb footage, but I didn't want to break through. I was behind some. Um, what do they call it? Sticky nettle, some bullshit, that yellow plant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was behind some of that and filming. So, yeah, so you'll see the um, you'll see the footage, but uh, you're sliding down and getting to it, and then there's a moment in the footage where I do that. You kind of look at me, and yeah, that's where I, I saw that. That's where I point <laughs> down, and um, it's really cool because um, when you check the footage out in the bottom right corner, you can see this little brown tan spot, and then kind of um mid to low left you just see jeremy's elbow go up and you, you draw whop, and it was pretty awesome yep. man it went quick <laughs> yeah it was it, it was, was pretty cool yeah you only drew once it was a straight downhill shot man that was a steep ass shot so as as i was fickling with range and how far away i was i mean you obviously have a good sense of distance with your bow you know i don't i don't really see you know i i don't I don't see you use your rangefinder often when it's kill time, but I do see you using your rangefinder quite a bit. Like you'll pull it out when we're playing and shooting at, you know, blunt heads at, at stumps and stuff. So, I mean, when you're into your process, I mean, are you worried about distance? How are you judging and calculating distance and determining where, what pin to put on? Um, I always go 10 yard increments <clears throat> because I found if I go 50 yard and back, it'll it'll work against me so i always just try to go look forward 10 mm. 20 30 40 50 because it's easier for me to judge and as you get past 40 it gets a little harder right you. so i just go okay that's 10 yards cuz i can i know i can judge 10 and then i double that up and i know that's 20 and then i'm like okay 30 is a little bit further than that and then 40 is double of 20 well, that was information was, I could have used on Saturday. 
With this guy, I figured he was 50, so I put my 30-yard pin on him and hit exactly where I was aiming. Because of the angle. Because of the angle. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, and, you know, some statisticians will get out there and tell you why and gravity drop and whatnot. But it was awesome. And then uh, we have this on tape, too. It's cool. He stood there for about three minutes with the arrow in him. He was hurting. Um, It was a good shot. Uh, uh, You know, as we broke him down, you definitely obliterated one lung. But he was tough. He was hanging in there, and you could tell he didn't want to step. And you didn't know this. You took in the shot and fallen back, but I stayed on it. No, no, no. Excuse me. You stayed there. Um, That's right, because he was hurting with the arrow in, and he was trying to figure it out. Every little movement he did was laborious. Um, It it was... It was people wobbling. His feet was wobbling every time he took a step. And the whole time, I'm like, put another one in him. Put another one in him. Put another one in him. And finally, you decided to, and um, th- this shot was a little off. You hit him back, but in a way, I think it played to your favor because uh, he had the because he had turned around right after you shot him. He had turned around. He had the right lung was gone, and then you had hit him kind of back left on the back left hind quarter a bit, and he was in bad shape. And um, you thought he ran into the timber. I stayed on it and glassed it up. Yeah. And he went about 10 more yards, kind of propped up in some thick brush and bedded down. I mean, pretty much where you first shot him, he was about 20 yards away. And um, it, the best part of the day was when we got to the top and got to talking about it. And this is on tape, too. We got a lot of this on footage. It's going to be really cool for you guys to listen to this. Um, and as the, as um, you know, it's out, I'll, before we go to Oregon, I'll make sure we have all this posted. So as you guys are listening, please come to our Instagram page and check it out. It's going to be pretty cool for you, um, as it is for us. I mean, hopefully, if you like elk hunting, you get to see a little bit of this stuff as we're talking about it. But uh, it's really cool because we tell you, uh, I'm like, oh, you, I'm like, he's bedded right there. And you're like, what? You 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 did the, you did the happy dance. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know because I... I took that second shot and I watched him go into that. It looked like the tree line and it was the ugliest reprod possible, right? It's 10 year old reprod. It's thick. It's just, and it's steep. And the, the shot was high in the throat down through the cavity. So the blood trail isn't going to be too good. And I, I was coming out of that Canyon walking over to you guys with my head down going, Oh shit, it's going to be a tracking nightmare. And then we're talking for like a couple minutes and we're just like, I can't believe you did that. You got on blah, 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 and all this, everything. And I'm like, yeah, but man, he went into that tree line. Then you go, no, he went down right there. Yeah. And I go, he what? <laughs> you go, he went, he went down. I go, you can see him? Yeah, you can see him. Why? Look at, and yeah. I, that's when I was like, woo. <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't stand it, man. I was pumped. It would have been complete. I'm like I said. I think if if and again, I wanted you to take that second shot and put him away, but when you did and the way he started moving, I had the oh no moment too because, like you said, if he would have gone another step, hell, if he would have rolled one more time, it would have been oh. really bad. I mean, it would have been one more roll would have costed us at least another 200 yards of hiking straight down straight steep if that and that would have been best case scenario and then gosh forbid if he would have stayed awake and gotten to that reprod it would have been (laughs) a mess and you guys will see it there's a cool moment at the end when we're at it before we break it down where we just show you how steep and you get a real sense for what it's like to hunt western washington and 
Um, I know there's some bigger, grander places, and there's probably some places that get less pressure and places you can be more successful and get bigger animals. But, man, if you're in for, like, a challenge and want to test your your resiliency and your toughness and see if you can do this, um, I don't think there's a better place, man. And, this again, this is coming from a guy who doesn't hunt many places, but it's unbelievable. I'm in love with it. It's great to be part of it. And, you know, and this is why you're a one percenter. I mean, the three years I've been hunting with you in a row, you've always got an animal. I mean, are you on a three-year streak? Or, I mean, how long is your current elk tag streak? Uh, I think it's five years. So five years running. Not many guys. I mean, look, um, they say it's a 10% success ratio, and Jeremy's has said this stat before that, well, amongst that 10% ratio, 80% or 20% of the people get 80% of the bull. So, you know, you're, as far as I can do the math, Jeremy, you're in that, you're in that, you're in that 20% of the 80%, sir. How's it feel? Yeah. Oh man, it's, that feels good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, well. I just put a lot of years in. I mean, <clears throat> there was a lot of years of unsuccess, right? Sure. There's a lot of missed shots that I've done. There's a lot of you know, failures. And now I'm just getting to the point where um, I can get out there and with confidence and then I'm able to read the animals a little better than I used to as well too. So. Yeah. And it, it's cool. To, like I was telling you, I mean, go ahead. No, I say it's cool for me to learn from that. Like, and the, to go on my own experience as a guy figuring it out to be like, I missed a shot. And knowing why, and then talking to you about why you made the shot to just to be able to do that in a twelve-hour period, it's such a learning. It 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 drastically affects the learning curve. You know what I mean? And it puts you yeah. in it puts you in a place where you can learn and be better, and you can put some perspective to it. It's amazing. So, you know, it it's cool, man. Um, it was fire. It was a fired up weekend, dude. <laughs> then what happened after that? Then oh, the work shit. began because we were deep. We're well, five miles from camp yeah we were five miles from camp and you know we we had a 150 yard march straight up hill just there so we broke the critter down which for it was hard to do it right there because it was steep and you know we had to do something we you know normally it's gutless method but based off where we were and the flies were really interesting we decided to gut it and spill the gut and tell you how steep it was. We gutted them and they could just, you know, kick the intestines. We just kicked the guts downhill. And like we said, they rolled, they, they rolled a hundred yards downhill without much effort at all. <laughs> so that, that worked. <laughs> we don't have that on tape. We're saving that. Um, we don't want to make anyone, you know, you know, who wants to see elk guts, but um, yeah, we don't want well, to offend anybody. You're killing animals and, you know, whatever. Um, sorry, wives who are listening, but um, <laughs> or babies, um, but um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we gutted them and got to work and butchered them. The butchering took a little bit of a time, just because we real. I mean, in the past, you know, you could have a guy on one quarter, guy on another, but between the three of us, there just wasn't room to work. So we had to really take our time and do it right, and we quartered them out. Um, but we had to. We decided to take small loads up the hill. Um, and man, you shot the bull at nine o'clock and I don't think we had the loads to the, to the road until 1130. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. And we decided to go one at a time cause it was a rough clear cut. And then, whew, man, 
we ended up, the pack out begins and we started the pack out. And the way we did the pack out was the original plan was to just in one drive, since we knew it was Sunday, the, the hunt was pretty much over for us. We were going to gut it out and just get everything in one shot. But, um, you know, you and I went hind and front quarter and Drake, he didn't have a big pack. He went guts and head or he went, he went grind bag and head. And that was still rough with him. I'm so I need to talk to him. I didn't know he brought his military ruck pack. Why the hell wasn't he hunting in that? What's he? He's out there in a Jan Sports backpack. <laughs> I'm like, and then we're packing out the next night. And I'm like, why aren't you wearing that when we're hunting? It squeaks. Well, it also could carry elk meat, sir. <laughs> yeah, mean, exactly. I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> you. But um, I hope you're listening, Dre. I still like you. Um, but um, but yeah, we did that pack out. It was pretty brutal. I've never, you know, and I've been doing a lot of heavy stuff. I know I've been packing with an 80. I know it was well over 80 pounds, well over 80 pounds, because the load was smashing my hip flexors. Oh, yeah. It was, it was heavy, dude. We'd have to take 30, 40 steps. Break. Rest. Yeah, so... 30. We ended up amending our plan, right? So we got um, we we picked a point about two miles in, and we're like, okay, let's just get here because there was a pretty nasty uphill. So the thought was, let's get to the base of this uphill. We're already packed up. We'll take it slow. So we got to the base of this real nasty uphill, stashed some of the meat, then broke it up into stations and made it much more manageable. But hell, we weren't back to camp with all the meat until five o'clock. Then it wasn't till what six thirty we were to the trucks and not driving home no, till seven. To the trucks, we didn't get to the trucks until eight fifteen. And then, mind you, in between that, we did break down camp, right? So we had some of the meat back. Yeah, we did break down camp. Yeah, camp wasn't broken down until you know eight 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 thirty. But um, it was wild. But you know the thing about that is, and I, I'm trying to, you know, we've talked about this with gear and training, you know. Training and gear aren't something that's going to make everything easy for you. It's not hunting like the, what we do in elk hunting. Public land, public land, general tag, DIY elk hunting in western Washington is going to be hard. It's going to be a shit show. And even with a great pack, even with um, if you have good boots that aren't soaking wet, Under Armour, um, <laughs> even if you... <laughs> Even if everything goes right, it's still going to be hard. Your hip flushes are going to get smashed. Your body's going to get tested. I, my my mantra was it's supposed to be hard. And I just kept telling myself, hard is what we're doing today. Hard is what we're doing today. And I just had to convince myself that it's going to be hard and long. And, you know, and it was. But it was so rewarding. And, you know, what's it? it's Wednesday, right, when we're recording this? Yeah. Even though I'm dog tired, I can't hydrate. My muscles ache. My back hurts. I'm out hiking this morning and I'm packing food and I can't wait to do it again for another seven days straight in a new area. And we're going to get to this time, Jeremy. And then if you know what, we get to in time to go back to that spot in Eastern Washington, we're going to go back there. So I'm fired up to do these seven days again. It just doesn't, it just doesn't end. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm fired up too, man. I feel each day I feel better. I feel like I'm a little more hydrated today. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we. Uh, that's one thing. Hopefully, Mister Dave, you learned is to bring in proper water. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it didn't help that my filter 
plugged up either. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but we still got some water. No, but that was cool. You tested your filter. I'd rather it plug up in the pregame on a short hunt than out, you know, first day in the backcountry. We'd have been in big trouble. Me and one little hand pump, we'd be spending the whole week pumping water with my little hand pump. Yeah, no. It's, but, I got my new filter in the mail today, so I'm good. Very cool. Well, no, it was great. And, you know, to speak on that, you know, me, you, and Dre got into that. And then I, I do feel bad, you know, because we were on that big sprint and, and Dave and his son had to kind of get water and they missed all the action. And then they took a, they took a wrong turn when, when we were supposed to split and meet up. So, uh, Dave, watch the Instagram page, sir, and talk to us. We'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so well, He's still up there. Hopefully he's getting some action. Hopefully he's still up there and him and Jacob are getting it. So hopefully you guys all get it. Um, and hopefully this little roundabout chat about why we did the Eastern opener or excuse me, the Western Washington opener, Hopefully these stories help you. I would tell you all right now to go back and listen to that spot where Jeremy talks about how he counts out instead of counts back. Um, I could have, I, I, I'd have my daughter's elk skull if I did that, sir. <laughs> so, but that just means I'll get it this weekend, right? So I'm fired up, man. That's right. um, it was it was unbelievable. It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'll remember this weekend for the rest of my life. I'll remember I'll remember that lesson about about drawing and I'll remember that moment when that when I made eye contact with that bull for the rest of my life. And I'll I have to be able to, I have to say thank you for that. It's cool. It's cool to be old enough when you can take part in a memory and actually realize that it's a game changer for you. As opposed to like, you know, going to CrossFit, playing football, doing weightlifting. I was a little younger then. I didn't realize how important these moments were. With this elk hunting thing, like as I'm living it, I'm realizing this is a life-changing experience. And that's different. So I'm f- I thanking you for that, sir. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for joining me and allowing me the opportunity to experience it with all of you. And hopefully walk you through and get you success. Woo! That's all we want. And here's the thing. Success success doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Hell, you had a successful shot, and the, probably the hardest day of my life was packing that thing out. So whatever. <laughs> so. I think it was the hardest pack out I've ever done. It was rough. It was rough, man. Well, hopefully- I mean, that last bit to the truck with that <laughs> hind quarter, and I was, you know, we were getting up to the top of the hill just before we got to um, satellite camp, and I was like, Shit, Joe, I'm about done. <laughs> you know, I felt... But then, you know, we broke down camp, got another 20, 30-minute break, and then, you know, satellite camp, and then had a mile hike downhill to the truck, and it was... I was, I was feeling good. I actually thought I was going to be way more exhausted and sore than I am. Yeah, and, and I think what we did the second time of that pack out was better. I mean, I, I, I think if you know you have a lot to do, do it lightly. Um, because I did feel better doing it in shifts and stations rather than trying to do too much. So, um, and that was the thing too. And that's one of the reasons we, I decided, I was like, Hey man, I think we should load down because, um, and here's another reason why training is important. I was getting a real sense that my hip flexors were going to be compromised in a way that I didn't know if I'd be able to walk back from it. Cause I was like, I might pop this thing. Cause it was really good and it was getting bad. And I was like, you know, Hey man, this is a, we're testing this thing. This rubber band might split and that ain't going to be good for nobody. I think, you know, so, and, and that takes some courage too, to back off. You know what I mean? So yeah, is what it well, is. I love your comment. You look over and you go, damn, 
I didn't even know I had hip flexors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I didn't know they were important for walking. <laughs> Not until you have well over 100 pounds on your back and miles to go, right? So, um, But yeah. it's interesting. Well, hopefully we get to talk more about it. Hopefully what we do the next week lives up to it. And hopefully you guys, what you're doing is meaningful and fun and um, something that you can remember for the rest of your life. Um, I mean, it's cool. It's awesome, man. Uh, train, hunt, and live your experience, folks. And um, hopefully by us talking about ours, yours are a little bit better. But, uh, Jeremy, uh, until the next one, until the next hunt, I can't wait to get in the car with you and do this again, man. Yeah, I know. It's going to be fun. Seven-hour drive and then hitting the hills. Well, all right, folks. There it is. We'll keep you posted on that one. Hopefully it's as eventful. If it is, I might have a heart attack. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, until the next one, guys, you guys, uh, guys and gals out there, uh, train, hunt, and live your best life possible. Amen. God bless America, baby. Mm-hmm.